It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Legends are made in the NFL, and the quest for the Lombardi Trophy continues. Brady moving and looking and has time, and then throws, and that is caught for a touchdown. Intercepted by Wilford. Vince Wilford with a game changer. You're listening to Patriots Beat. Two minutes, second down and six. Brady, quick throw, and complete. first down. Right here on CLNSRadio.com. Good afternoon, New England Patriots fans, and welcome to CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. I'm your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter, joined as always by Bob Snowden, at Snowden Bob. And of course, you can follow CLNS Radio at, at CLNS Radio or on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. 347-215-7771 is the call-in number for today's show. And, of course, if you missed this show or any other great CLNS Radio podcast, you can download it for free on iTunes by searching CLNS Radio or if you have the Stitcher app for one of your smartphones, whether that be a Droid or a iPhone or even the old BlackBerry standby, you can download the Stitcher app and search CLNS Radio. Well, not as much has gone on this week as it has in the previous couple weeks. We don't have that big splash of talk, but we don't have that Darrell Revis. We don't have that Vince Wilfork re-signing. We don't have the NFL draft, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. We don't have the signing of uh, Brandon LaFell or Brandon Brown or the re-signing of Julian Edelman. But what we do have to talk about today is what else the Patriots need to do as they get forward and get ready for the 2014 NFL season. Without further ado, I will bring in my main man, Bob Snowden. Bob, how are we doing? I'm doing fine. And, and as you said, there was no big splash, and it was kind of funny, Jeff, because you and I usually go back and forth quite a bit during the week, and we'll kind of either tweet or, or talk to each other about what we're going to talk about. And it got to be Friday, and I'll usually have a list, as you know, of, of topics. My list was like, Two things. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden it started flushing out, and right up until about 20 minutes before showtime, I was updating our list and sending it to you and then changing it and sending it again. So we did, we still ended up with a lot of great topics to, to, to hit, even though it wasn't a big week in events for the Patriots this week. Well, the one topic that I want to start out with is, of course, Rob Gronkowski, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a bold prediction made on 2014, that Rob Gronkowski will be ready to play week one of the NFL season. I said this last year, and I was wrong. I don't mind being wrong. I think Rob Gronkowski is out, ready to go, week one against whoever that opponent might be. Anyone who's going to watch, I believe, doesn't realize what exactly football means to this kid. He's had some unlucky breaks. He really has. But I think, you know, he's, he's going to be jogging soon. He met with Dr. James Andrews, who says he's right on schedule for that uh, ACL tear. Of course, in recent history, we've seen people come back to week one for ACL tears. Uh, we've seen Adrian Peterson come back and just absolutely dominate after his ACL tear. In fact, he was a better player after the ACL tear. And we've seen guys, especially on the Patriots, and a guy like Wes Welker, who tore his ACL the final game of the season in 2009, 
and come back to play 2010. Now, granted, it was the only season that he did not get 100 catches for the New England Patriots. However, he was still pretty good. And while they say it does take a full year to come back, I do believe that Rob Gronkowski will be back and playing week one for the Patriots. Your thoughts, Paul? I hope you're right. I'm not as optimistic as you are. I think he may be back and playing. I'm not too sure he'll be at full strength quite yet. You know, we like, if you'll remember, Jeff, and I know you do because you remember everything about the NFL. When Peterson came back and played as well as we, yes, he did, everyone was shocked. No one thought he was going to be able to come back like he did. That was, you know, an anomaly. I, that, that, that something happened there that had not happened before. So I'm, I'm optimistic he'll be back. I'm not as optimistic as you he'll be back in the first game. I hope you're right. Um, and I, I, you know, bow to your wisdom. I mean, the Bats have a new doctor now, and actually, you know, for those that don't know, uh, the the Patriots uh, medical director Thomas Gill, who had been there for years and also was for the Red Sox, uh, no longer is the the medical doctor for the Patriots any longer. And you know, he he clashed a little bit with uh, Gronkowski, according to reports over the fractured forearm and the treatment that he should be taking. And, in fact, even the NFL Players Association filed a grievance against him. It was turned down. Uh, and, and it wasn't relating to uh, to the Gronkowski issue. It was the, the Jonathan Fanin, you'll remember, that the Patriots had signed. Uh, but they found out his injury had occurred long before he came to the Patriots. Uh, but I digress a little bit here. I, the Patriots are such a different team with Gronk on the field that I think every Patriots fan and and any real true football fan is hoping and praying that when he comes back that he's at full strength, that there's no psychological impact as well as the physical impact of coming back, and and I hope you're right. I expect to be right. I'm not always right, and I'm hardly ever right. That's my wife. But uh, I think that Rob Gronkowski is back. I really do. I, I, I believe that he's back. Do I think he's going to be as dominant as ever? No. I mean, he's going to, you know, be a little down on that uh, on that knee. He's not going to be able to have the cuts that, you know, he's normally used to making. But I still believe that he's going to be able to play and be able to play well. He came back after, you know, all the back surgeries last year and the surgeries on his forearm and played fairly well last year. Fairly well, I, I should say. He played dominant in the seven games that he played for the New England Patriots. I think he's. I, I really think he's ready to go. I really think that this is the season where he will hold it all together for all 16 games. Because you know what? He's never done that before. Oh wait, he did that before the first two games. First two seasons in the league, he played all 16 games. He's not this injury-prone guy that people think that he is. Oh my God, Rob Gronkowski! He always gets hurt. Look back to college. That isn't Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski played. The first two uh, seasons in his career, 2010 and 2011, and, and and played all 16 games. In 2011, the AFC Championship game, he got a severely high ankle sprain, and he went out and played that game in and the Super Bowl against the New York Giants. And he shouldn't have, but he went out and he played, and he played decent. Not Rob Gronkowski that he normally is, but he did play decent. And then he plays every single game the next year, and it means so much to him to come back to football that he breaks his forearm and then comes back too soon for a broken forearm and breaks it again in the first playoff game. And then last year he waited out, and I myself called him out and called out his man card for not playing, but he did the smart thing, which is wait out the first six games of the season, and then he came back and it took a blow to his ACL that not to knock him out. Other than that, he had been dominant. I don't think Rob Gronkowski is an injury risk that other people do, and maybe it's controversial, but I'm telling you right now, I don't think that Rob Gronkowski is an injury risk. He's been a bad luck injury. The type of injuries he's had are not minor injuries. So I, I agree with you. I don't and, – and Amendola falls under that same category, and I know past fans listening in are going, you're crazy. But the injuries he's had have been severe injuries. Those are not flukes. They're not a player that is soft. They're not, you know, something that a player could have avoided. Uh, so so I agree 100% with what you're saying. And 
he does love football, obviously, and when he wants to uh, feel, he can come back. But remember with the forearm, that game he came back that he never should have played in the playoffs. From the first play of the game, you could tell he was still favoring that forearm. He was afraid to get hit on that forearm. And I can't believe the Patriots didn't see that enough uh, or didn't realize that, hang on, we're just asking for him to get hurt again and pull him, and sure in the heck, on what was not that hard a hit, he just fell the wrong way, he rebroke the darn thing. And, and none of that is Gronk's fault. None of it is a matter of him being, quote, injury-prone, as you mentioned a moment ago. But when he gets injured, they are fairly serious injuries. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons he fell in the draft, was because of his back uh, issues in college. And that's the only reason the Patriots ended up getting him. Otherwise, he would have been a much earlier draft pick. So I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just concerned that, you know, if he comes back at this point, he may still have to get over a hurdle, a psychological hurdle, as much as anything else, before he gets up to full stream. And that may take three, four, five games. Uh, not that he'll be bad in those games. But I, I, I saw hesitancy when he came back, not only with the forearm, but when he came back last year. Had a great first game. I'm not saying he didn't play well, but you could see a hesitancy for him to lay it all out like he does. And I don't think he'll be able to do that early in the season, first two or three games. But I do see, like you, that, you know, he is, he is such a key to the Patriots. He'll be in there, and he'll be doing his best to be in there uh, as many games as he can. Well, I can I can agree to disagree there. And you know what, Bob, we have our uh, we have our big green friend joining us coming up on the line here. He, of course, is Murph. He's a columnist for the SportsInfusion.net, co-host of the Patriots Central Radio and the Nikki Happy Hour and Hump Day with Murph and that Sports Check, a show that I happen to be part of this weekend. Of course, good friend of the Patriots Beat pod, pod, yeah. Patriots Beat Podcast. Say that three times fast, Mr. Jeff Kane, Boston Fat Guy. But here it is, Murph. What's going on, the big green man? Gentlemen, happy to be here. And, oh, What's going on? I, I'm sitting back listening to people try to tell me that somebody who spends the majority of his life on IR isn't injury prone. That's, what, that's what's going on. <laughs> well, if you agree with me, hang on. I was, I was getting before the show, as you know, Merv, and, and I'm yeah. certain you saw it too, that I was bulking up and ready to go in because I figured you two guys have <laughs> so much you agree on that I'd be a deep dude during this show. So I bulked up, didn't take any roids. By the way, Merv, did you pass the roids test? Be on yeah, the you, you, gamma, gamma does not show up on any steroid testing whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Gamma so anyway, is above I, HGH and... Um, and it, Darball and anything else that you might throw at me. So go ahead. I'll pee in a cup daily. Thanks, All right, Jeff. You got the two a man that has gone. I'll go right up against. I'm not scared of either one of you. Either one of you am I scared of. <laughs> a man that has been spent most of his career on IR. The guy's never landed on the IR except for in 2012 when he when he in the playoffs. That's the only time. He's okay, ever you you want to throw you want to throw stats at me? Okay, then we'll we'll go down that road. But um, I. Broken arms, busted knees, torn up backs, something that I know quite a big, de- uh, great deal about. Um, the guy has a hard time staying healthy. We're not, we're, I agreed. We're not talking about ticky tack little, you know, my toe hurts or, you know, I'm going to spend the AFC championship game or two standing on the sidelines just because I got a little discomfort. How you doing out there, Denver? And, um, but, uh, <laughs> But no, the the man gets hurt. His 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 style of play is is reckless abandon and we love it, but it also ends up, you know, putting him on the sidelines and on a lot of carts. And that's the the same thing, Murph, when you talk about running quarterbacks and I'm shifting a little bit here, but that's Ooh. why teams are a little leery with quarterbacks who run first mm-hmm. and pass second because you get banged up, and when you do that and you're getting hit like Gronk does, playing the type of game that has made him Gronk, 
Right. You're going to get hit hard, and there are you susceptible, just as the, the hit perfectly legal on his knees uh, last year put him out. You're, when you're playing as hard as he does, you're susceptible to those type of injuries. Exactly. I, I like to say that if you're a run-first quarterback, you're going to be run-first and ask doctors questions later. You know that's that's just the way it is. I don't I don't like this style of QBing. I think it uh, bodes well for um, having a very deep quarterbacking core as your number two and three because it, it's just it's not pretty. These these kids are coming out of college and um, they they're facing guys that are twice as big, twice as fast, and twice as strong. And you know I, I don't see a, a uh, a very long career for the likes of Johnny Manziel and a few others. Oh, don't even get me started on that little <laughs> juke down Hi, Robin. <laughs> yeah, I hope Robin's listening. He is—he's a puke. He is gonna—he is gonna be the next Tim Tebow, one and done. He's gonna have one decent season, if that. I'm sorry, the kid he just—I don't. You know what? Uh, the he, fact that it, they even had him come in for an interview, I just don't get it. I, 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 I don't get it. I maintain that it's all about the fact that they are almost convinced that he will go somewhere in the division, um, and they want to make sure that they know as much about him as they possibly can uh, beforehand. And uh, and that's that. That's that's the reason he was in. There's there's no chance, even at 29. That the Patriots select uh, Johnny. Uh, Johnny, I, I like to play football, but can't. <laughs> Johnny, I close my eyes and pray when I throw the football. Thank you, Johnny Sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to compare him to Tebow is a bit of a stretch, guys. Come on, I, I and Tebow couldn't throw the ball. Period. If no. Manziel can throw it. No, I don't think Manziel's going to be a success either. But I, I can't quite put him in the Tebow category who couldn't hit, you know, a two-by-four uh, mm-hmm. two feet in front of him with a pass. Manziel uh, at no. least would hit, hit it. But there, there's there's more of a passer, but there's also more Ryan Leaf in this kid, and I'm just I'm just waiting for the meltdown to happen. It, you know, another another scene in the locker room. Leave me alone. Get away from me. Who are you to question me? You know, it's going to happen. It's it's predestined. I, I pity. I hope he's a jet. Please make him a jet. <laughs> God, please. <laughs> I'm going to go back to mass and do another rosary today to make Johnny football a jet. The Jets have oh, a quarterback now. They don't need him anymore. Do they? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, they got Michael Vick, who spends more time on the IR than anyone else in the world. Either that, or you know, killing yep. dogs. But there you, know, you go. To everyone out there that uh, that thinks he's a reformed guy, he's still the same guy he is. Oh, so he's not getting caught. Same guy for... he was. Yeah, it's the same guy. If you ever watch his, you ever see his, his brother Marcus Vick, that guy's got more issues than anyone in the world out. Uh, back mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia Eagles, who who gave the kid a shot and, right. and allowed Michael Vick to come back and make money, and now he's playing for the New York Jets with Rex Ryan and that and that group. Come on now, come on. <sighs> it's painful. I just it's painful. Well, that's why we said when when you guys said that the Jets have a quarterback. Well, you know they have two, and you know if you have two, you don't have one. And once again, I'm not worried about gangrene. Mm-hmm. Johnny Football would just put a put a um, a capper on on that three headed monster that that they're going to have going down there. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be strange because the more you're reading different mock drafts and they're all over the place and everybody has him going in a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot that have dropped him all the way down to you know to the middle of the first round. Uh, and the team that seems to be the most interested, or according to the mock drafts, is the Browns. Uh, but the Jets, you know, the, the Jets do need another quarterback. I was a little tongue-in-cheek with my comment about Vic because I figured it would get you two guys going. But, I mean, the Jets definitely, I, I just don't see them still having a quarterback for the future. Sorry? Nope. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's just awful down there, and and, and I'm loving it. Well, one of the things you said that Murph was... not Revis Island yet. Murph. No, no, not there. Uh, <laughs> play, get out there and play. 
play a full season, right, I got... and then be be happy at the end of the season. And um, yeah, no, play, go out and play, stay off your your stationary bike, don't bitch and moan. We haven't had a single person stick a uh, a microphone in his face. I, you know, it, it, with, with Revis Island, guys, it's it's never been the talent with me. I, I acknowledge the talent. It's it's you know the the tumor that he is growing from whatever locker he might inhabit or uh, stationary bike he might be riding um, on the sidelines as, as he's bitching and moaning about, you know, not being appreciated. No, I just I can't get behind him. No, thanks. Go out and play. Play well. Get, get me into the Super Bowl, but not a fan. Never was, never will be. Just like, you know, certain people, certain talking heads on the radio – who can agree with me at every turn, I still think are jerks. And there are guys who don't agree with a single thing I say that I would consider my best friends. So you know, that's just the way it goes with me. <laughs> you got to show me something. Well, the one thing I want to say, Murph, is, is you have definitely been true to your word about Darrell Revis. You, uh, you know, most New England Patriots fans, myself included, you know, we, we trashed Darrell Revis. I said yep. I didn't think that he would uh, that he would become a member of the New England Patriots. I even put out there on the Patriots beat Twitter pod, uh, Twitter podcast and Twitter uh, handle that um, if he signed with the New England Patriots, that I would buy one lucky fan a Darrell Revis authentic jersey, two hundred seventy five dollars out of my pocket. And I'd like to thank you for not picking Butchie to be that lucky fan. <laughs> well, the lucky fan is a girl by the name of Blaming on Maddie. And uh, she is going to get a Darrell Revis fan because I didn't think he was the type of guy that would, you know, be uh, be out there. And the New England Patriots would sign because of the fact that it's always been about the money with him and it's always been, you know, show me the money. But on the one-year deal with the fake second year, I've changed mm-hmm. my tune a little bit. The fact that you haven't is very commendable. Thank you. I, I, you know, Still I have fit. my good points. There aren't Still many. Fit, but commendable. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See, and and like I said, you know, you you could agree with me about everything, and I don't like you, but you, or you could, you know, call me an idiot, and you're one of my best friends, aka Bob Snowden. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, All the respect in the world. We can agree on. Let's get on something we can agree on, and that's All the right. running back in the NFL. Yeah. I love the running game. <laughs> uh, I have a question. I have a question for both of you. We saw what LeGarrette Blount was able to do the last quarter of the season for the New England Patriots right up until he got shut down by the Denver Broncos. My question is, how do they replace him? Who do they replace him with? Go. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, well, I You're mean, the one who thinks that he doesn't need to be replaced, so go ahead. I don't think it's going to take that much to replace him, but I, I know that's going to frustrate you, Jeff, and make you go, wait a minute, the running back is the most important position on the team. Uh, but I think in the draft, they may very well late in the draft, not early, draft someone. Blunt uh, had really, the two games that he had were so great, and I've said this before, and it's not a knock, were against teams that had terrible defenses against the run. So I'm not as worried about replacing him because prior to that, in those two games, the only reason he was in there so much was because Ridley fumbled the ball. And, and I, you know, I'm not as down on Bolton. I don't think he's the answer to everything. But, you know, I think they'll get someone in the draft. I don't think they need to go out and spend money or bring someone in that's going to cost them much to replace them. Running backs are a dime a dozen. Well, I... <sighs> <laughs> hey, am I up? Are you are you done, Bob? Do you... Yeah, sure. You know, there's there's no there's no position in football after quarterback that is important as the running back. And now you need you don't just need one, but you need two or three. Um, what Blunt did last year was not amazing because, quite frankly, I could have run through those holes. And I wasn't I, I wasn't a fan of bringing him in here. I thought a lot of other people could have done the job that he did. But it doesn't make it any less important. Um, but I think I think what they're going to do now is they, we had Bush in here last last was it last week or the the week before. Um, I think folks are going to wait. The Patriots are going to wait and see what shakes out 
in the draft, what might fall to them maybe in the second round, third round, see what kind of big guy they can bring in then. And if not, revisit Bush and see if he wants to come in because, like everybody's been saying, I think uh, he's a much better pass catcher than than Blunt was. I, I don't think Blunt's ever caught a pass in his life. Um, but but they need somebody else. Uh, you need that depth there because we can we can see over the past two three years what kind of a beating that position can take, and you never know when somebody's going to lose their mind because someone happens to fumble a football. All right, I got a guy here, and, and Mr. Snowden's going to make fun of me now right now because I've talked about uh, a guy out of LSU named J.C. Copeland who I really liked as a fullback. And going back and watching him, he came to me and said, oh, he only carried the ball three times for seven yards. And, and, and Bob's right, he didn't have the stats there. But, I, you know, in watching film on J.C. Copeland, I picked up on a kid coming out of LSU by the name of Jeremy Hill. Hill. Yeah. And I love this kid. Six foot two, yep. two hundred thirty-five pounds. You know, a big back that can get him in the middle rounds. Uh, he can catch the ball. Had, had eighteen receptions last year in the twelve games that they played. Yep. You know, he's decent at pass blocking, and he's a big down the hill runner. And you got two yep. guys on, three guys on your roster in Vereen Ridley and uh, that other guy there, Bolden, who uh, who are in the last year of your their rookie contracts. You gotta bringing another running back, and I think this kid Hill is very good. In fact, I was listening to uh, NFL uh, on Sirius this morning with uh, Gil Brandt, and they had an interview with him, and right then I was sold on him. You know, there's been some stuff out there that he is a not a smart football player, but in listening to this interview and hearing him talk and talk about the way football means to him, I look at him and I think he's the perfect running back for the New England Patriots. He can catch the ball, he can block, and he can run. Right. I, I love him. The only thing I don't like about him is he's coming out after a sophomore year. Um, that's kind of young. Um, that could, you know, that hinders your football IQ. I'm sorry. Those, that junior, senior years, when things really start to uh, click in your mind, and we already know that there's a learning curve between college and the pros. But, no, I, I, I love Jeremy Hill. I really do. I like the kid. Do you really think he's even going to be drafted, guys? Come on. He's even going to be drafted. I'll tell you this, Bob. I'll tell you this right now. Jeremy Hill will be drafted in the third round. Yeah. He will go in the third round. And I'm hoping he's going to be the Patriots. We will look at the draft after the draft, and and if you guys are right, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to commit to buying a jersey and giving it to a listener. (laughs) <laughs> well, okay. Then. If I'm right, I might buy you a Jeremy Hill New England Patriots jersey and send it down to Florida. No, I'd rather I'd rather have Jeremy Hill than Andre Williams. I agree with you. He can catch the ball. Williams yep. can't catch the ball. Williams Williams he couldn't catch a cold. Williams couldn't catch a cold. How many passes did he catch in, in college, Jeff? Seven, oh. something like that. Jeremy Hill catch the ball. I don't know off the top. Jeremy Hill has caught 27 passes in his in his career at at uh, in his two years. In his two, two years, years at LSU, caught 27 passes. So so based on that, you say you catch the ball? Yeah, I also watched the NFL Combine where he actually looked pretty uh, pretty good catching that football. Where Andre Williams looked absolutely lost. Now I loved Andre Williams running the ball for the Eagles at Boston College at Chapel Hill, but it's a different offense. He's not. He can run the ball. He can be a decent running back, but not in the middle of the Patriots' offense. You're going to get out of Williams what you got out of the Garrett Blount, which is eight man in the box in the playoffs, stacking things up because they know that you're not going to throw the ball when Blount's in the game or Williams is in the game. Agreed. The, the only thing is he had some off-the-field issues, too, so I don't think he's going to get drafted here. But I think somebody's going to take a chance on this kid's talent. I love off-the-field issues. I'm a big fan of off-the-field issues. Me too, man. I love it. So I hope I'm wrong about that whole third-round thing, and he slips to us in five or six. But, exactly. Um, That's what they'll pick but it's But the talent's, the talent's there. Moving, uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit about uh, this New England Patriots cornerback and safety position. We already know where you stand, Murph, on Darrell Revis. Where do you stand on the other guys? You know, where do you stand on a, on a Brandon Browner, who, of course, 
has some off-field issues, is going to miss four games to start the season. A guy like uh, Alfonso Denon, who is just getting out of jail, uh, yep. who, of course, has had some off-field issues. And, and, then, and then guys looking back at uh, uh, Kyle Arrington, who has some on-field issues, and Logan Ryan, the uh, second-year player coming out of Rutgers, who I'm very, uh, I'm very excited about. In fact, some people have even said they might move him to safety, which I think is a bad idea. Me too. I think it's a terrible idea. I think we should go out and find a safety to play that spot. Um, but I love the way I, I was a big, big proponent of Browner before he before we signed him. I don't remember too many other people talking about him coming here. I wanted him when. Uh, before we signed Revis, I was saying, who would you rather have, Revis and, you know, nobody or Browner and a one of the best uh, strong safeties in, in the National Football League. And I still think we might have done better going in that direction since we haven't signed a safety yet or we haven't found a uh, strong safety to fill that box. But, you know, as, as Bob says, that's not needed because nobody runs the ball anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love it. I think we are one of the deepest um, defensive backfields in the AFC right now. And I love, the, I love the moves. I love the way things are shaking out, even with Revis Island over there. Got, you know, I, like I said, I, I respect the talent and what he allows other people to do and what he's going to allow uh, Bill, the schemes that Bill is going to be able to run this year. I see a lot of blitzing. Um, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a different type of Patriots defense this year. I, you know, the Patriots have always played that, um, you know, we'll give you the middle of the field, and once you get in the red zone, we're going to tighten it up. I really think we're going to see a much more aggressive defense this year. Don't you, Murph? Oh, I do. I do. Like I just said, we're going to see a lot more blitzing. We're going to see a lot more quarterbacks on their heels running around looking for places to go with the ball than we have in recent years. Um, I've never been a big proponent of the uh, bend but don't break prevent defense stuff. You know, with me, it's always been a prevent defense prevents you from winning. Bill has proven me wrong time and time again with that, and I hate him for it. He's always got to be a smart-ass <laughs> Wesleyan grad. Um, but uh, there there it is. I, you're absolutely right. What we can do now is um, is be a lot more aggressive, and we've all seen what aggression does when the playoffs come and especially when the Super Bowl hits. Uh, and I think even Bob can tell you that defense and a running game wins you the Super Bowl. I, I agree. Defense wins you the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And one of the things, too, and I'm, I know you guys read them just like I do. Mike Reason has called this morning. Uh, stated something that I wasn't aware of. The Pats had the smallest starting safety combination in the NFL last season with McCourty at five foot eleven and Gregory at five foot eleven. Could you I knew they were Gregory small. I didn't realize they were the smallest in the NFL. <laughs> was Gregory even on the field? I don't remember him doing anything. I think he was just like a cardboard cut on of, of Stephen Gregory. You sit there going. <laughs> Hello, hello, pass the ball towards me. All right, let me get you away. Oh, my God. He had the full flag out there with the red that he waved the runner by after the the guy made the catch. You remember that? The guy with the big red flag. Mm Mm-hmm. There you go. Just, you know, he sat there with the, with the, um, the, the runway lights, just, you know, moving people. Hey, nice catch. Move along. Nice catch. Move along. All right. But but no, I missed that article and I, I can't wait to read. I've been kind of busy this morning taking care of of business of my own, um, trying to catch up on on articles, Red Sox articles that I should have been writing instead of you know refuting idiots on uh, from Fox. But but no, I, I will get to Mike Reese uh, quite soon. I love well, Mike. Mike mentioned- is just a great read. And he does mention someone we talked about, Deron Harmon. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe part of that answer because he's a lot bigger. He is much more in that range. He's you know six one and plays comfortably within that two hundred five to two ten pound range. So he's a little bit more in the the bigger back. He just hadn't proven himself yesterday. Although yesterday yet, although I like you guys, I think he potentially could be very good at the position. I yep. saw more out of Deron Harmon in the three games that he started for Stephen Gregory. And I saw her out of Stephen Gregory in the three year, or two years that he played here. 
Right. I, I, and again, I sit on the couch on Sunday afternoons with cold Budweiser in hand, and I, <laughs> and I look at my TV, and, and, and I watch it, and I drink football, and I'm the ultimate Monday morning quarterback, and I'm sitting there. Actually, it's, it's Sunday afternoon at 1.30 quarterback because it's Twitter now, and you're on there, and you're saying, what the heck are they doing? And then people actually listen to your thoughts and think you're smart. Uh, that's that's what I've done. That's how I get by here. But I just I couldn't understand because I I go up went back and looked at a ton of film in the off season in my bunker when my wife was ready to divorce me and mm-hmm. and I liked what I saw out of the kid. Do I think he's an NFL cal- uh, starting NFL caliber safety? Um, yes, I think he's a starting caliber safety. I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame yet to quote uh, Bill Parcells, but I think he could play and especially with uh, with the defensive thing put in front of him, I think he could play. Well, if you, based on that, Jeff, ever, you look at the needs of the Patriots, and we all have safety out there as a need, uh, but you address it again by spending big bucks. Safety is, believe it or not, safety is the second lowest paid position in the NFL besides punter, which kind of surprised me again. But, but what are the actual needs for the Patriots as they head into this draft. Big fat guys. We need big fat guys on huh. both sides of the line, and we need yeah. we need a pass rusher. And I I've been preaching like nobody else that that I think our linebacking core is just too thin. Um, it's young. It's we, we saw last year the beating that uh, can happen. Um, we're 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 great we we're great uh, first line guys, but you know once you get there, there's not a lot of depth in the linebacking core. I'd like to see some linebackers taken in this year's draft. I agree with you there, especially about taking them in the draft and not and not bringing in a guy like Jonathan Vilma or no. Dan Connors or any of those old older guys. I want to see them bring in a young linebacker yep. in this draft to go along with Steve Buhamas, side of Rutgers from last year, the seventh round draft pick. Guys that could also, you know, play special teams and, and contribute in their first year uh, of playing. And, and you bringing up linebacker makes me want to go towards uh, another linebacker who, who's, whose mouth is pretty big these days for a guy who I don't think was ever a great <laughs> linebacker, and that would be Brandon Spikes. What are your thoughts on Spikes and what, you know, he has said over the last couple of years, you know, four years of slave and uh, and finally free and, and calling everyone mass holes and how that he's going to, you know, beat the uh, New England Patriots twice. Well, I mean, does anybody remember the last time the, the Bills beat the Patriots twice? I think O.J. was running the ball. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I got into an argument last year. It, it, it's got to be 2000. 1999, 1967. Um, I think uh, Brandon Spikes is a bigger idiot with wings than he was with uh, with Chowder. I, it's what he does. He chirps. He, he he likes to do this. He likes to get under people's skin. Um, it's it what motivates him and gets him out of bed in the morning, and and that's fine. He's just being an idiot. He's just being himself. Um, I stopped listening to Brandon Spikes not long after he he got on Twitter because I just found him to be a misogynistic ass. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't like the way he treats women. I think it's it's awful. I think you guys all know from the shows that I've done in the past uh, under the helmet with with Murph and Dr. Jen. I'm a big proponent of of, of women in sports and and. You know, women, period, have played a huge part in, in my growth in my life growing up without a dad. And I, I just, and being a father of a younger, I just can't stand the fact, I can't, I, I, I hate the man. I don't, I don't like him at all. And he well, just, you know, was, proved my point. Was, even when he came to the Patriots originally, he came and we all remember the big publicity over the video. And that's how he started his career with the Patriots. I mean, the guy has always been an idiot. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, if he stopped the run, sure. Sure. But not a person that you would want to go have a beer with. At least I wouldn't. No. But he he could stop the run, huh? Because I remember when uh, when guys like <laughs> Tony Kelly and Vince Wilfork were gone, that they didn't stop the run. They were horrible against the run. 
Huge yeah, for like three three good. plays. He he made three huge plays all year where there were, were bone rattling hits where people practically ran right into him and everybody loses their mind over spikes and his run stopping ability. If he tried to take two steps backwards, he'd fall over his own two feet or whoever might happen to be in the area. Um, no, he, he's a, he's a schlub. He's a schlub. Enjoy, enjoy Buffalo. Enjoy. Jeff, do you the really only thing that could have been better is if he was a Jet. Well, and Jeff, do you really think that Belichick would have cut off his nose to spite his face going into the playoffs last year if he had any thoughts that Spikes could actually be an asset to the team on the field? No, I don't think he had. Bill Belichick never would have done that, and that's the big thing there is, is Belichick looked at the, the teams that he was going to play in the playoffs. He looked at the fact that he was going to play Indianapolis week one, and they weren't going to run the football. And if they do anything, it was possibly maybe tackle, you know, six yards down the field. So why not, you know, go out and put your best players on the, on the line? And, and Jamie Collins played amazing against Indianapolis Colts. He was uh, he was victimized a little bit by Peyton Manning uh, in the AFC Championship game, but he played extremely well. And I think that Dante Hightower or Dante Hightower could could definitely take a play with Spike and be a better player than him in that in that defense because Hightower is going to be a two down linebacker. And you're going to have Mayo or, or Spice come on the, uh, sorry, Mayo or uh, or Collins come on the field in sub packages. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great, I think it's a great move. I, I, I really do. I think letting him go, letting him, you know, go out. You know, I, I'm a I'm a white kid from Boston who has 100 Irish roots. I, I don't know what it means about slavery, but I can only imagine <laughs> that you know four years of slave. It's really pissing off the people whose heritage happens to have slavery in it. But moving I, on away yeah. from away, away yeah. from hey, Jeff, because that stopped things just immediately, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the fine. Stephen A. Smiths <laughs> of the world were not happy about that comment. I can, I yeah, can I'm guarantee sure they you that. I'm sure that. I'm, I'm sure they weren't, and uh, you know, and what what are you going to do? But. Let's kind of talk about. Right, so let me let me throw something out to you, Jeff and Murph. Yeah. Well, who's your first pick for the Patriots in this year's draft? Guests first, or, or, or yeah, we going go with, with it? Yeah, Jeff first, because I know he's going to pick a lineman. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm I'm picking Chris Borland, uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin. Uh, I think he's oh, going to. He might. He'll be there in the first round, but I don't think we're going to have a first-round pick. I think Bill's going to do what Bill does best, and he's going to trade back and stockpile. And he's going to get picked around oh, mid, mid-second mid round. That's going to be his pick. I love this kid, Borland out of Wisconsin. He's a redshirt senior, smarter than hell, six feet tall. He uh, he does stuff the run. Um, and uh, I, I think he'd be perfect fit for this team. Unfortunately, no. I I don't think uh, a lineman is going to be there when the Patriots are picking that that is going to be worthy of that spot. And that's what what Bill's all about. Yeah, I mean, Bob thinks I'm going to go sit there and pick a lineman. And I would love for them to pick a defensive lineman. I'd love for them to pick an offensive lineman. Unfortunately, I don't think that anyone that's going to land to them at 29 is going to be worth a first-round draft pick. Right, and I see that I see Bill Belichick trading back, um, and I see him trading back into the mid second round, and my hope is that they will go out, go out and grab someone like a CJ Fedorowicz uh, in that second round, uh, a tight end that can play. I'd like to see them come away with a center, um, Brian Stork out of uh, Florida State. I'm still riding him until the cows come home, uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be sitting there until. Probably you probably can get him in the third or fourth round, right? Uh, but yeah, I think that, I think I agree with you that they'll, they'll drop out of there. I see a lot of people talking about this kid out of Minnesota, Hageman. Uh, Hageman. I just yeah, Hageman. I just I haven't seen enough of him yet. Um, in the limited amount that I've watched of him, I'm, I'm not overly impressed. Um, I've been a fan of of the kid uh, Nick's out of uh, Notre Dame, but I think he's long and gone by the time the Patriots come around and pick. Yeah, somebody's going to grab him in the top fifteen picks of the draft. I don't, I don't see that happening. But um, 
Hageman, yeah, I, I, I too have not seen enough of him to uh, to say, yeah, go, let's go get him. And he's also somebody that I I can see going at the the bottom of the first round, top of the second. And I just don't think Bill's gonna gonna invest that kind of pick in that player. But I'd like to see you, you guys all know, man. My 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 uh, my super sleeper pick this year is a tight end, and it's my man Joe Don Duncan out of Dixie. So, and I think you he can be him. grabbed. I love this kid, man. I can't get. I go back and I watch every bit of tape that I can of this guy play football, and uh, he loves playing football. He he's he's got amazing hands, soft hands, and he's huge. He's just huge. That's that's the point I want to make. We need to stop thinking about um, replacing Aaron Hernandez and start yep. thinking about the backup that we need for Rob Gronkowski. And I think this kid is it, and he could be had in the fifth round or even later, sixth round. Um, he, he's he's going to shock a lot of people, I'm telling you right now, no matter where he uh, he ends up. This is my guy this year. He, I'm putting my pin next to this kid, and I'm going to watch him play football wherever he goes for a long time. Well, it's funny. We all agree that the Pats are going to be – I hadn't said it yet, but I was ready to, that mm-hmm. the Pats are probably not going to end up with a pick in the first round that they're going to trade out. In fact, one of the things that uh, – rumors that you read, and again, rumors mean nothing at this stage of the game of the draft, but is if – Houston takes Clowney in that first pick, and I think they'd be crazy not to. Right. Then they still need a quarterback. There's a, there's enough quarterbacks out there that one of the decent ones will fall far enough, and it may very well be that, that with Houston's relationship with New England, they, they do the swap, and the Pats end up in the second round with their pick in the second round and another pick somewhere down the line. Uh, so I think we're, we're all in agreement that Belichick has the history of doing that unless there's a player he really wants and then he goes after him as he did um, last year and the year before but normally his history is trade that first round pick unless there's someone out there that you a stud that you really really want Uh, Mm -hmm. and we pick so late that by that stage of the game there's not a whole bunch of big great players that are sure shots anyway no and then then you could Yep, I agree with you. And and then of course we'll all be wrong and Bill will trade up trade his entire draft to move up and um and take the aforementioned uh first pick from from Houston. <laughs> Johnny football. How how amazing would that be if, if right down if right now Bill went out and he pulled a Ditka and traded his entire draft for the first pick? <laughs> But who would he take? Would I would assume he would probably take. I'd assume he would no, take Clowney. Yeah, I mean, would we be shocked? Definitely. Could it happen? Hell, who knows? Who I knows? Mean, none of us know. No, no, we're we're all we're all you know, um, shooting spitballs in the dark here. It's it's you know you, you never know with this team, and that's that's why I. God, man, I want T.J. Yates the other year, and it's just like you know he's, he never listens to me. Bill doesn't listen. He, he could you know easily do this, and it, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that set the NFL on edge? Well, and, and I never did mention my pick, so let me mention that quickly. Please, I'm sorry. You guys are sitting right there on the edge of your seat. I know, waiting. But I kind of like Stephon Truitt from Notre Dame. I, I you know, he's going to be. I agree. A late first, early second round. He came in. Mm-hmm. The pass looked at him. He's built like a tackle, but he's got great pass rushing skills. Mm-hmm. He's had injuries. That's the got the, the length. Know, the thing is the injuries. Yeah. And the other guy yeah, is hurt again, like. isn't he? I think he is hurt again. <laughs> the other guy yeah. that you liked, uh, he's Jason Merrill, Bob, and, and <laughs> it was what, which was Merrill, that again? Bob, and, and, the guy that you liked was Jason Merrill, and he's starting to fall uh, fall in mock drafts like a rock because I, there's no real position for him in the NFL right now. He's going to be the next, you know, he's going to be the next Aaron Hernandez type of player, which is a luxury in the NFL, not a uh, not a need. So I can definitely right. see uh, him falling, and 
hey, if he's in the second round, yeah, the Patriots make a play for it. If we're going to stay on tight end, the guy I want is Austin Party Jeffrey Jenkins or Jeffries or whatever it is out of uh, Washington. Uh, I, I love the kid. I think he's huge. I think he can play. You know, and he's that perfect Rob Gronkowski style that you need um, as a good backup. And, and, and to go out and actually play, you know, 12 personnel, it, it's, it's the thing to do. It, you know, you don't need that move tight end. That, that move tight end, I'm sorry, it, you, you can play that move tight end with uh, with Bronco out to the slot, you know. I mean, you don't need you don't need that move tight end. I'm so sick. No, of I can do that with Shane Vereen. I've been saying that for it's, two years. Exactly. Exactly. I can I can I can replace you know him with Shane Vereen, and and that's it. All, all I got to do is teach Shane to to catch a ball when he has to look over his shoulder, um, and that can be oh, can be do done once you get the cast off. You know. <laughs> yeah. That, that were it. most of his problems last year were coming back again too soon from a broken arm and having to deal with everything. And Butchie's in the house. What up, Butch? Well, I like Jenkins, too. I could not argue against Jenkins. Uh, you know, 6'6", six, six, big guy. Uh, he does have a little issue, not as major as many of the others, but he did have a DUI. Uh, but he actually came back from that, and, you know, he served a one-day sentence in jail and mm-hmm. spoke youth group and... You know, he he handled it as you would hope a player would handle it. Um, it's it's pretty hard to to chastise him strongly for that, especially when you compare it with some of the other instances others have had. So I I like Jenkins too. I think he's uh, you know he's someone that would definitely be in the Gronk mode, and yep. that's what we need. Look, people are going to fall at this spot, folks. Everybody is making a huge deal out of Amaro and Abner and Jenkins, the, the Troy Nicholas kid out of Notre Dame, Fedorowicz. You know, these are all guys that are being projected by a lot of people to go in the, the first two, if not, you know, at the top of the third round. Um you can look at talent and say, yes, he's a third-round talent, he's a second-round talent, he's a first-round talent. But when it comes to draft day and um, GMs are looking at their needs and their job security, folks aren't always willing to to throw that first- or second-round pick out on a tight end that might work out or might not work out. Everybody remembers just because, you know, Gronk fell. Um, yep. Uh, he fell a lot. And there are guys with the same kind of injury histories as Gronk. Um, Hernandez fell. Fell a lot. There are people out there who have, you know, you can't argue, have the same kind of red flags, you know, that we knew about uh, Hernandez going into the draft. And that's why he fell. It's not so cut and dry just because you read somebody's report and they say, "Oh yeah, this guy's a first round, um, a first round player. He should be, you know, picked in the top ten of the draft, the top thirty in the draft, and be a second round player." When the when you're when it's your time to push all the chips in, it's not always a tight end that you're going to push all your chips in on. And it's never happened oh, I, before that. I mean, tight end really was not a major position in football until the Pats started right. using the double tight end set. I mean, prior to that, what a great tight end, sure they were, and you can go back in history. But really, the tight end was a non-entity in the Patriots' offense for many, yep. many years, even when Russ Francis was here. I mean, it, he, he, it just wasn't one of the key positions. Exactly. I mean, there, there are only so many Russ Francis's and Todd Christensen's that come into your life that uh, – that can change the way a uh, a team plays at tight end. It, when you get that guy, you feel kind of lucky. But no, you're you're absolutely right, Bob. There, it's it's hadn't been a position used or utilized in this way in quite some time. Exactly, and I mean, there's no way, and it's never happened in the history of the NFL that four tight ends are going to be drafted in the first round. I mean, you have four guys that have. First round potential grades in mm-hmm. Ebron, Nicholas, Jenkins, and Amaro, and there's no way that four of them are going to get drafted in the first round. So you'll see probably you might see two guys get drafted in that first round, and the yep. other two will get drafted in that second round. I think that's going to happen. But uh, Murph, we're uh, running a little low on time here. Really want to thank you for coming on Patriots Week today. Cool. And before you before you leave, please let uh, everyone know where they can find you, where they can reach you. 
Oh, th- guys, thanks. It was it was just a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you asking me. Uh, folks, you can follow me at tmurf207. Uh, give me all the grief that you want. I enjoy it. Um, you can read me at thesportsinfusion.net, and you, you find out all the radio shows that I'm doing these days uh, through through one of those two two wonderful places. Guys, thanks again for having me. It was a joy, and uh, anytime you need me, I'm there for you. It's always fun, man. Appreciate it, Mark. All right, guys, you have a great day. Great show. Same to you. Thanks. Thanks, sir. Good, well, uh, good friend in the radio program. program. Now that Murph is gone, there's a couple of things, and it has nothing to do with him, but I had put on our list today. First of all, I want to correct something I said last week. I got really confusing when I was explaining why it made sense for the past to sign Chung um, and talking about the, the good year he had in 2010, and I wrapped it up by saying, however, he went down the dumper um, after he, he made a mistake on special teams and tried to do something that was his own decision. And I, I referenced the past. I don't know what I was thinking of. It was on a fake hunt that that occurred, and it was his decision. Uh, it wasn't called on the sidelines, and it was against the Jets in the playoff, in the divisional playoff loss. So it, it had nothing to do with the pass. I have no idea what the hell I was thinking of when I said pass, but it was a punt. I knew it was a punt. Uh, I am really disappointed that my partner in crime didn't jump in at that point and say, Bob, what the hell are you talking about? Because uh, I know he knew he didn't pass the ball. It was a punt. So I want to start by, by apologizing for confusing people about exactly what Patrick Jung did to get in the doghouse with Patriots fans. Uh, well, there we go. I, just uh, let me do a little housekeeping here. Of course, the interview with Murph was brought to you by the Celtics Beat Podcast. Check them out Saturdays at 2 o'clock. They have been really killing it these days. And uh, if you missed any of yesterday's or any of the previous Celtics Beat Podcasts, you definitely have to check them out on Twitter, Celtics Beat. On Facebook, they got their own uh, page at Celtics Beat. And then, of course, you can download them on iTunes for free by searching CLS Radio and looking for the Celtics Beat Podcast. Those guys up there do a phenomenal job. Even in such a down season of the Boston Celtics, they have really hit a home run this year. And they'll be talking some great things moving forward as the Celtics will enter the NBA draft lottery and hopefully come away with a top two or three pick. But, uh, all right, that's enough of the house cleaning. Bob, we got three minutes left to go, so it is rapid fire. Let's go. What do you got? Well, first of all, Tyler on the past Hall of Fame. You mentioned this before. They're this, I believe it's this week. They're selecting, you know, the next Hall of Fame player in the list of players that'll be in there. And I, like you, definitely think Tyler should be in the Hall of Fame. You're up. I agree. I agree. Tyler definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, and he should have been the uh, Super Bowl MVP of the uh, New England Patriots back in Super Bowl 36. As much as I love Tom Brady and that last second. Um, you know, game-winning drive that he that he engineered. If it wasn't for Ty Law absolutely manhandling Isaac Bruce, I think he is definitely the guy that wins the uh, MVP, that thing. Uh, Bob, uh, Tom Skill, released by the uh, New England Patriots, released by the uh, by the Boston Red Sox as their team physician. Would you want this guy operating on you? No. Simple. <laughs> I mean, I know he's supposedly world-renowned. Just too many issues came up with both teams uh, while he was in charge of their medical. And, and I'm certain he's got, you know, uh, all kinds of plaques hanging on his wall. But the, the short answer is no. <laughs> all right, Bob. I'm going to throw one to you again. Uh, all right, bring it up. Denied. I, I, I really got a kick out of reading this this week. He's prepping his cousin, uh, Darkies. Denard or Dennard or how he one yeah, pronounces from, it differently. Uh, Michigan State. Yeah, he pronounces his last name different than Alfonso does, but he's giving him draft lessons. And and I said, lesson number one, hopefully what you meant it was, don't punch a cop in the face just before the draft day. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be doing that. Don't punch a cop in the face. Uh, you know, it just, unfortunately, I, I personally, I think it, Alfonso Dennard is a, uh, a phenomenal uh, quarterback. Uh, he's a very good number two cornerback in the NFL, um, and I'm looking for big things for him this season. And you know what? It was a young, dumb, misjudged uh, with a little bit of alcohol. But uh, that'll be it for uh, Patriots Beat here on Sunday. 
Uh, for my co-host, Bob Snowden, I'm Jeff Kane. Follow us on Twitter, at Patriots Beat. Follow CLNS, at CLNS Radio. And, of course, check out the YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. There is a live, on the parquet floor, Celtics postgame show. Check them all out. And don't forget, check out Beats and Eats for you people that like food. And, of course, being a Boston Fat Guy, I love food. Until next week, everyone. Have a great day, everybody, and a good week. Your first choice for Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.